IEP Director of AR Management Systems, Shannon Becker, to the IT Podcast today. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you for being here. All right, so I'm going to kick us off with just some fun technology icebreakers. Do you have a technology life hack? So, yes, but it's not going to seem super techy, but it makes my life so much easier. I use the New York Times cooking app. And because I do make all of our food from scratch, including bread and everything, and I think we might get into a little bit more surrounding that later in the conversation, but the app gives you lots of great suggestions based on what you've cooked before. So it kind of gets that sense of what vegetables you like. Um, if you're trying to do a certain type of diet, whether you're going like more low carb or trying to do more plant-based diet, it kind of continuously tees up ideas for you that you might not have prepared before. So wow. it keeps things um, interesting around the house and just kind of helps me plan out my cooking week. Um, you can also um, correlate them by certain ingredients. So if you do grow food at home and you're harvesting something at any specific time, then you can make food like to store um, and freeze and use up all of that one ingredient, you know, with a couple different recipes. So it definitely makes my life a lot easier. That's awesome. And what is that called again? What's the app? The New York Times cooking app. It's like okay. 40 bucks a year. I'm going to have to check that out for sure. Um, my husband and I both have kind of like weird diets going right now. So to be able to sort by ingredients would be awesome. So, so my husband self-servingly got it for me for Christmas a few years <laughs> back. <laughs> so I've been using it ever since we've never stopped renewing. I've started gifting, wow. gifting it to other people. Um, oh yeah. That's a great a gift idea. Uh, yeah. Very cool. So you're coming up on, or you just had your one year anniversary with Sintera. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Talk to us a little bit about your role in IT and what you've been doing for the past year. So I am the IT director over air management systems, which encompasses most ref cycle applications to exclude scheduling for now. And I also do a lot with Workday and with 3M and really any applications that support revenue. And I know I asked you this earlier, but just for our listeners, AR management system stands for? Accounts receivable. Okay. I'm getting better at learning all of these different acronyms and abbreviations. So Yes, and there are many that are very unique to Sentara as well. (laughs) Not just IT, but to Sentara, yes. So talking about revenue cycle, and I know we could go on about this probably for the full 20 minutes, but specifically, if you could talk a little bit about how you're leveraging technology to impact revenue cycle and, and even just the automation side of that. Sure, sure. So I think as everyone knows, we are under some unprecedented times um, with COVID and the strain that that has put on our hospitals, our providers, our patients, everyone. So over the last year since 
we at Sentara have been live on the RevCycle applications within Epic for about a year and a half, going on two years now. What we've really been focusing on is finding ways in which to ensure that we are appropriately charging in every situation possible, and then also to automate that charging process. We really want to allow for providers and clinicians to focus on the patient. And in doing so, less time should be spent considering whether they're making the right charges for things, right? So what we really are trying to do is pair with the clinicians and the clinical applications to find ways in which we can seamlessly integrate the charging process into their normal clinical workflows. That allows the clinician to have more time with just hands and eyes on that patient. The patient feels like they are truly being focused on and not a computer screen. And that will, in the end, provide a better assurance of appropriate revenue so that we can then, you know, spend that in increased revenue that comes into the organization to expand our services to the communities that we serve. So really, our hope is to, in a very behind the scenes way, maximize all those things and let providers just be providers and let patients feel cared for in a very personable way. Yeah, that's great. I feel like this entire movement of digital transformation is really putting the time back for the providers for that face-to-face interaction with patients, as well as just making the entire patient experience better for all of our patients. So each aspect of that, including just the revenue cycle piece, which is something I would never think about, right? Because I'm not a provider and I would see it on the patient side, but all that you're doing to leverage technology with that is pretty incredible. This has kind of been in cycle for about two years now. Looking Mm -hmm. back, seeing where we're at today, you know, are you all looking at making some optimizations or where are you at in the process? Sure. So we are um, actively now kind of moving from, like you said, that stabilization period to true optimization. And in doing so, we are partnering with all the different operational leadership to figure out, you know, really where where the things we did right are and where are things that can be improved upon. So it's very important to us as an IT team to be involved very early in those conversations where there are just things that keep them up at night and things that would be like, man, it would really work better if we did A, B, and C. And man, Epic isn't really meeting our needs in this space. You know, do we maybe need to consult an outside vendor or how do we come around that? So in working through growing not only our optimization in terms of technology, we're also really working to grow that relationship with the business. And we're meeting on very regular um, intervals, defining an optimization list, the nice to haves, the needs to haves. And like I said earlier, what keeps me up at night? And from our perspective, it is so helpful to know very early on what we are trying to achieve strategically so that we can then go back to Epic and look at our software, look at our build and figure out, okay, what could we very easily tweak to make their lives easier? So in in doing so, we've really come a long way to avoid some of those cumbersome contracts with outside vendors that oftentimes like to overpromise because you can you can obviously 
integrate and interface with anything. But do you really, is it best work day to have to switch back and forth between two and three systems? And what I've found in my experience is to have that frontline worker, analyst, biller, whomever you might be considering for this example, to have one workspace where all of the information that they need to do their job is in the same space. So let's jump into the fun stuff then. You already talked a little bit about, you know, growing your own food. I don't know if we got into sustainability yet, but jumping back a little bit and giving folks some insight and um, a picture into Shannon Becker's everyday life. You (laughs) and your family essentially run a homestead. Is that right? Am I saying that correctly? Yes. Yes, we do. It's not huge. It's fairly small scale. Um, But, but we do try to live a life of sustainability. And I know that when you think of an IT professional, it may be a little bit off from what most people I think would expect to see, but my, a, a day in the life, if you will, starts for, I'll say me, I wish it was all of us at about, um, <laughs> about five in the morning, I'm up with the chickens, um, feeding them. We do use them for, for eggs and fertilizer. Um, we don't eat them. They are not meat chickens. Um, so <laughs> I didn't know that there was a difference. Is there a difference or you guys just don't? No, no. There's a huge, huge difference. Wow. So okay. I will share that early on in our homesteading um, experience, we had one rooster that was a problem for our overall ecosystem and family. I think I've heard about this rooster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we did decide to um, use him for food. And my husband and I went through the entire process ourselves. I, I worked clinically before, so I've seen a lot. So this wasn't like a big gut-wrenching wrenching thing for me to do. But, you know, we wanted to be committed to the lifestyle and mm-hmm. we wanted to honor the whole bird. So we did. We went through the whole butchering process and <laughs> did it beautifully. Didn't puncture anything that shouldn't be punctured in the cleaning process. And, um... Anywho, so we, I got him into the kitchen. I'm like, let me weigh this guy to see what our actual take is from this bird. And it was, he was our biggest rooster, just fluffy as could be. And it only yielded about 11.2 ounces of meat. Oh my gosh. And you think about just like (laughs) when you go to the grocery store, like how much you're just throwing your cart. Right, right. Wow. and he, um, he was not a meat chicken at all. He was um, a, a, an egg-laying breed. Okay. So, yes. So for, for, for that time of work to only yield that much usable <laughs> product was a complete waste of time. I mean, it was a negative ROI, right? Sure. So, I love that you're talking ROIs with chickens. so my husband and I are both full-time professionals with very demanding jobs and homesteading is is actually a full-time job I can imagine so and for us I would say that we're maybe more hybrid because we only have so many hours to dedicate you know so for us everything is about ROI so I also 
to switch to meat chickens that will get you the pounds that you're more accustomed to that you see at the grocery store. Those chickens only live about eight weeks. Um, and there's not, they don't live happy lives. You put them in what's called a chicken trailer and you just move that around the yard and let them, you know, eat from your land. And then eight weeks later, they're so fat, they can barely walk any butcher, which is, is not my idea of a happy life. We will keep all of our chickens until they are past laying and they'll have a little retirement home at the back of our property and they'll go out on their own terms. <laughs> um, so we, we do try to be very, very mindful of things like that. We, um, we crab, uh, we live on the water um, out in the country and we That's crab great. off the dock. Yeah. And fish. So when we obviously could not live off of that alone because I don't sure. think my husband, father, son are um, as skilled in that space as, as would be required. <laughs> um, but we do um, crab, oyster, and then we have a pretty big enclosed garden with raised beds that we grow our tomatoes, squash, melons, onions, basil, carrots, parsnips, a variety of peppers, um, and then we have pollinator beds as well. That's yeah. great. And then we so have you... an orchard in the back. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we have about 30 um, fruit and nut trees and raspberry bushes as, as well. So it, it's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. Do you make jam? We, I have. I've made a couple different freezer jams. My um, big venture into canning is pickled jalapenos because we okay. had just so many, um, which went over really well. We cut the corn, corn off the cob this year and um, froze it. So I, I don't know. I didn't really enjoy canned vegetables as a kid. So we do like, I think, to to freeze where we can. Um, gotcha. And then from there, all of the leftover food also goes out into the community along with eggs. We partner with um, a program called Guest, which is the, let's see, Gloucester United Emergency shelter um and it's a it's a nonprofit where here where i live hayes is in gloucester county um just for the audience but we provided last year i think over 600 meals for homeless um who were temporarily sheltered in a few different hotels and that money was provided by like covid grants and stuff because churches were not taking in homeless during the height of the epidemic so we had to find other means in which to take care of our um any community members. So that's a big part of our life. And I feel like, you know, Sentara is very supportive in me using some time to support that, that mission. And I in turn then offer that to my teams as well to go out and do good things in the community and, and show the community that Sentara really cares. I know you said it's a, I don't know if you said a, a mini homestead or a smaller homestead, but I think the fact that you're able to sustain your family and parts of your community speaks volumes. So I, you're doing something right. Your ROI is. <laughs> it is. And we keep our home um, with wood that we get in the community as people take trees down um, and need someone to haul it off. We do that ourselves as well. And we have a well for water. So we are not solar yet. So we're not completely off the grid, you know, and that's not really something that's in the cards for us given our professions but right. we do try to get as close as we can um and then give back whatever we have that's extra 
Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Shannon, um, I know we're coming up on time here, but I, when, when we were envisioning this podcast, you were one of the first people that we wanted to have on the podcast because of all of the things we talked about today, just your knowledge with Revenue Cycle, and then what you do giving back to our community, just the incredible person you are at home and all that you do with your homestead. It's always an awesome conversation with you. And I'm always learning something new whenever I I talk with you. So it's an absolute pleasure to be able to actually have you on the podcast and excited for more conversations to come in the future this will definitely not be our last uh, episode for sure wonderful thank you so much for having me